Welcome to Puzzling Company, your home for at-home puzzles and mysteries. Here are your hosts, Jared and Zach. What's up, Puzzling Company? Welcome back to another episode. With you today is me, Jared Dauenhauer, and my partner in crime. It's Zach. It's Zach. You've developed an accent, Zach. Yes. Uh, We'll see how much that plays into our episode. Today, we are talking about the VOC Treasure, a wonderful game from the Netherlands. Ooh. Yes. I believe uh, we've done some Canadian creators, but I believe this is our first European creator that we've had on the show. I believe so, yeah. Uh, And he's really great. We're going to get to hear from him a little bit, but let's hop into the episode. All right. Jared, I got to cut out a little early today. I have an interview. An interview? You didn't tell me about that. Where at? What soup? Oh, nice. I've heard really great things about the soup shed off of I-24. So come on down to the soup shed. No, Jared. Soup is a society for the observation of unknown phenomena. They actually sent me my first case as a test. Take a look at this folder. Why is this folder full of pictures of me? Well, they are all about documenting the weird and bizarre. If you'd like a chance to join soup, head on over to crackinutmysteries.com. How did they get this picture of me in the shower? Welcome back, everybody. As we mentioned in our brief opening, we are talking about the VOC treasure today, which is Yar! Exactly, which is a wonderful pirate adventure-themed game from mm-hmm. themoderntreasurehunt.com. And we had a good time playing this. Yeah, it was quite fun. Uh, we are going to be jumping into the three things that we liked about this game and the three things that we felt like there were room for improvement. As always, this is Zach and I's opinion. This is not written in stone. This is not the Mount Rushmore of opinions. This is ours. Putting it out there, we do go through a very rigorous process when we review a game, but we just hope you enjoy and you take away some some good information from this segment. I'm going to be honest with you, Jared, though. I think my opinion is, like, fact. Here's why, okay? <laughs> okay, analogy. Uh, analogy. <laughs> you bring... We're already going down that road. Yes. Okay. Uh, the Ten Commandments, right? Those sure. are the ten things you should do or follow. Uh, the first one of mine is uh, please destroy and wreck all opinions of escape room or at-home puzzles and mysteries. The sure. second one is uh, listen to step one. Is listen. To, so you're just – you're a monster is what I'm hearing. Yes. Wow. I like I like causing mad chaos. If you if you don't know, Zach usually does six dislikes for a game, and it's very hard to bring him into talking about three likes. Wait, for we a game. talk about likes? We talk about- no, I'm just kidding. No, we we love all the games, and uh, we love doing the kind of talking about the things we enjoy, and also the things that we want to see improved potentially. Well, so. why don't you kick us off then in talking about what we really enjoyed about the VOC treasure? Sure. Uh, so I think the first thing that we really liked was the puzzle concepts. Uh, there's a lot of really cool ones in this game. Uh, the thing I found most enjoyable, and I think this kind of will go into something else that we'll talk about probably through this, is the diversity of some of the clues. There's mm-hmm. so many different types. Uh, there's one specifically I really enjoyed, that, it w- which involves a, uh, a bottle, mm-hmm. that at first I thought was just like, okay, this is like a, a bottle that just holds stuff in it. And then it had, it had more to it, which I really liked. There's a lot of pu- other puzzles that required multi-steps. Uh, there's kind of some logic that plays into the very end. There was just enough of everything that it felt complete when it yes. comes to doing different types of things where I didn't feel like I was doing, okay, I did this one 
three times in a row, essentially, but yes. with different information. No, I would agree. I thought the puzzle concepts were varying. It did not feel like we tackled like, oh man, this game was 50 ciphers. Yeah. You know, and uh, it, it really did a good job of varying content and as Zach mentioned, made you wonder about a few things. Yeah. Because I do think one thing that was done really well in terms of the concept is I think everything was used. Yeah. Everything uh, was used. Everything was used. And there were some really creative concepts and even some plays on things that we had seen before, but as good puzzle designers do were reused and reimagined to forward the goal of the game and trick us and make us think differently. And mm -hmm. we really enjoyed that. Yeah. Yeah. The second thing that we really liked uh, and we appreciated it, especially for how the designer created this game was they did a really great job before we even got into the gameplay of prescribing the experience of what we were about to do ahead of us. Mm -hmm. So it was like, uh, it's the, in my opinion, it's the difference between like if we were going on an Epic journey and our master said, just go. And, you know, that's okay. But our master said, you're going to encounter this and this. Watch out for this. Don't trust this, that. That was the notes that we got ahead of time in this game. Mm -hmm. And that especially applies because this isn't a big reveal or anything. But the final puzzle is a really in-depth giant logic puzzle. Yeah. Uh, which we enjoyed. Yeah. Uh, but have, knowing that up front helped us so much in what we were doing. Yeah, that's very true. I think there is, I could, and I don't want to argue about this too much. I think there's a few points where I can maybe, that there was like some parts that I, I personally in the time was a little confused what we're looking for. But I think those are small things. It was never like the big goal. We always kind of knew what the big goal was. Yes. But I think it did a, a really good job at it. Specifically the ending. Yeah, the logic puzzle I thought was really solid. Uh, we, it was fun. It definitely... Made me upset at one point, not because of the, of the actual log logical puzzle. It was more that I was dumb and threw myself off. And so then, you know, it's that whole thing, which everyone does this. You get upset because you go, okay, I literally just wasted all my time because I messed up one step. And yes. now I have to like redo the Now we've got to redo that, which we did. We had to go back through the logic puzzle and be like, oh, that's where we went wrong. Yeah. Um, but no, I, I totally agree with you. The That helped us frame out and understand some of the content that we were getting because we have played other games that we have reviewed where we have come to smaller puzzle answers and yep. then been wondering whether or not it was valid because, as we've talked about before, we did not have a input. Yeah, no, that, that's very true. We have played a lot of games where you, you do all that stuff, but you don't know what it means until yes. the end. And this one, it very clearly tells you these are the things you're looking for. So when we did get the answers, it felt like it made sense. Like, you know, when I'm flipping puzzle pieces to look for an answer that's written near yes. some ships, you and know, it, it made sense that when we, I, when I finally thought I got the answer, I was like, okay, that's actually like, a could be a legitimate answer. Absolutely. And it, and it, and it was even more outlined. Remember there was the one, two, three, and four and the symbols that yeah. we were working with. I, I thought it was super helpful. If that had not been there, that would, in my opinion, have made a lot of frustration and made it very confusing for players. Yeah, very much so. Uh, what's the last thing we really liked about this game? I think the physical like components of the game. Mm, you're speaking my language. Yes. <laughs> the box that it comes in or the, the wooden crate with all of its items in it was very, very awesome. 
you get uh, a few physical elements, one being a big bottle and some of the stuff inside being like a map. I don't want to spoil too much of everything that's in there, but it's cool. A lot of little items. Yeah. Uh, unfortunately, we had one little thing happen with ours, but it, that I think that was a shipping thing. Of course. It was a shipping and, and it didn't affect our experience. Correct. Whatsoever. Yeah. We were still able to play perfectly fine. Yeah. Uh, but it, it's it was quite great, the quality of the stuff that was in there. I was a little bit surprised at how good some of the stuff actually was yes. for for what's in there. I agree. You know I mean? Correct me if I'm wrong, but there was no true, apart from the hint system, online component to I, I solving this I think the only part puzzle. online was the, was, was the hint system. Was the hint system. Yeah. So, and that, I like you know, if you've listened to this podcast at all, you hear me drone on about how much I love the physicality of at-home games and the tangibility. Yeah. And this, and this was one of those games where yeah. um, it made the intentional decision not to take us on a virtual digital journey. Mm-hmm. And I think we were rewarded for that. Um, it's, it was fun to just deal with what was on the table and and not and not that digital experiences are bad. If you've listened to our other episodes, you've heard us dote quite heavily on really cool technology, really cool use of that. But the physical components here, especially with the theme of pirate, which is not a digital theme per se, mm. it just all seemed to really flow well. And all of the dig- and uh, sorry, all of the physical components were really well used together. Yeah, yeah, hundred percent agree. Hundred percent agree. All right, so Zach. I think overall we like this game. Let's let's move on over to some constructive criticism for the game. What do you have to say about this game? I think some of the processes of the puzzles, if you know what I mean, like explain that a little bit more if you don't know what a process puzzle is to our listener out there. Sure. So for me, it's kind of like the steps that are required to go through it. So it's like, you know, step one is do this of the puzzle. So then the next process is to do this. And then you eventually go down a rabbit I wouldn't say a rabbit hole. But you go through certain steps or processes till you get to the very end. Yes. And so some of them, it felt like the process was good for part of it. And then it feels like, let's say, step two of the process. Maybe the intent was to be a little bit more difficult or to kind of hint you in a different way, but it felt off. Yes. So Which then when you get to the next step, the next step would make sense to us. But it just felt weird that I went, okay, I had this. This felt like a really weird step of the puzzle that kind of just led me in a weird spot or like how it was made. And obviously that's that's an intent on them that they want it that way. But it, it just feels off. It does. And and then on top of that, we were asked to then repeat that process yeah. uh, quite a number of times, which is okay in my opinion. But uh, in talking with a lot of other creators, players, Process puzzles have their place, but the repetition of them is not something that's super enjoyable for people. Yeah. So we had a couple of different puzzles in this experiences where we really enjoyed the puzzle concept. Like we said, it was fun to figure out, oh, this is how we're supposed to do that. And it was very creatively done. Mm -hmm. And in a lot of cases, subtly done. But then we were asked to do that thing four times, sometimes more. Multiple times. And, And the amount of time that we were asked to invest in that made it sometimes feel a little like homework versus playing a game. That's true. We very much felt that at like one or two points in the game. Yes. When you are spelling out a 30-letter cipher, you do it, and then maybe you have to do that three or four more times. I don't want to do it after the second time. I don't want to do it after the second time. But I think something that can be learned here is edit your process for the second, third, and fourth iterations. If I'm doing it way one, 
mm-hmm. for one, that's cool. Then if I go try to use that process on the second one and I discover, oh, I've got to augment it a little bit to maybe yeah. get it, then I think that's adding variety, difficulty. You're still using the same broad idea, but I'm not doing the exact same thing. Yeah. Over and over and over again. And it's, and it's not that it was a bad, like we said, this is not a bad puzzle. This, all of the information that we got was accurate, understandable, but our level of enjoyment dipped as we had to repeat the process over and over again. Yeah. We've played a few games that have been able to do that quite well, where it felt like you realized that you're doing the same thing over and over and over again. Yes. But it had enough variant that you were like, okay, I am doing it, but like this time it felt different enough that I was like, okay, I can do it again. Yes. And this one there very much was a few points where it just felt like I did the same. I mean, I'm back in math class and I'm doing the same math problem over and over again. Absolutely. And a lot of people at that point will just run to hints because they say, oh, I've grasped the concept. Um, But I think you could enrich the experience, like we said, by adding some variation uh, and allowing people to feel victorious over the first process mm-hmm. and then challenge them again with the second, third, and fourth part of that process. Yeah. Absolutely. Uh, second thing we talked about is the narrative of this game just didn't really hit with us that strong. Yeah. The narrative, and I'm trying to make sure I remember this correctly. The narrative from what I remember without looking it back up, because I, I think I'm more interested to know if I can remember it <laughs> than I could. I think it was like a... a okay narrative like it, it does an okay job like there is a video actually they do give you on the website yes absolutely that helps give you like an intro it frames like, you out it for frames it. you which i thought that was actually the video is quite well but then the rest of the game feels like you are following that but it's not the narrative is not the big part of the game correct at least it doesn't seem like it when you play it is your family if i remember correctly it's like one of your family members died and is trying to find this like hidden ship and has left it to you and your fan, like to the family. So it's like you and the other kids are trying to find this hidden treasure or the VOC treasure. So you go on like an expedition and follow like your family members footsteps to try to solve it. So with that narrative, like set, it is, it is good. Like it sets that up in the video. And I think the video does an excellent job of explaining that and shows you like a good visual of why you're doing that. But when you get into the game, the narrative kind of drops. It does. I agree, and it becomes more puzzle-centric. Yeah. And I would almost argue th- pirate-themed yeah. than, than narrative because all of the stuff that you're interacting with is very appropriately on theme. But as we've talked about before, kind of that three-tiered pyramid, it did not feel like the puzzles were moving us forward on a narrative. The only narrative that was given to us was like, hey, you need to solve all of this in order to solve this final thing, which will find you the treasure. We didn't meet interesting characters. We were kind of the only people existent in this world. When we would solve one puzzle, it didn't convey more of the narrative. It was just, we knew that this was a step along the way to meeting our final goal. Yeah. So I, I, and I don't think it's the end of the world, but if somebody was saying, hey, can you point me to a a really narrative game or something that marries puzzles and narratives together really well? Mm -hmm. I I don't think I would say the VOC Treasure is one of that games. That doesn't mean it doesn't have merit because I really enjoyed the puzzling aspect of this game. But in my opinion, like I said, once you leave the video and enter the game, everything becomes a part of the puzzles. The puzzles are engrossing, Mm -hmm. but they are not doing anything to drive the story forward. We're going to move on now to the third thing that yeah. we feel like there was some room for improvement. And this one's a little weird because we're talking about 
decisions that were made. Yeah. So based on what we said in the first part of this segment where we were talking about the process puzzles, we think that it is hard to then go through so many process puzzles and then end on the granddaddy of all process puzzles. So as we mentioned earlier, the final puzzle is a giant logic puzzle. The game tells you that from the onset, not a spoiler. Yeah. But it is, again, a lot to then go through having worked <laughs> through yeah. so many other great puzzle concepts, but just the repetition. Mm -hmm. And that's what it felt like we were doing, and there is a lot of in this game, is repetition. And yeah. a lot of it doesn't feel necessary. Mm -hmm. And then to select a logic puzzle to end on was, was not the most thrilling. Would you agree? Yeah. And I think the other part, which I talked about earlier in a point, was that the logic puzzle made sense when we got to it, right? I mean, it's a logic puzzle. Sure. It, it sets it up well. Sure. Uh, it has a, a sheet, or I won't tell you too much about it, but it, it pretty much helps you set up how the logic puzzle is going to work out, right? Because it sets up 70% of it, and then it's on you to get the other 30% based Correct. on logic. Correct. It, it was good. I just felt like by the time we got there, it felt like it didn't fit what we had done before mm. the different types. And then because, and like I said, this is personal opinion after I had messed up it once and how big it is, it's a gigantic logic puzzle. Absolutely. It's not a small one either where you're like, okay, it's like, you know, three different pieces of information. I'm just trying to cross reference against each other. It's like, it's a lot. It's, it's, it's four sets of four things. If I'm not mistaken, yes. that you have to like check across. It's quite it, a grid. It's a very big grid. And that's the thing. Again, this is not, a bad puzzle. No, it it's wasn't a, it's bad. a great logic puzzle, and the way that it's set up really forces you to dig through the information that you found. Yes, our only critique here is it felt like another long process to end the game on, having done a few of those already during the game. Mm -hmm. I think what we're saying is it would have been nice to have some variety. Yeah, in in terms of the amount of time and work that we had to put into each puzzle. Mm -hmm. If if we would have had less process puzzles earlier in the game, then yeah, this would have been like it, it felt like a big finale. Yeah. And it felt like we were having to combine it felt like a great meta puzzle to end on, but by the time that we had got there, it was already a little uh we were already a little puzzle fatigued from some of the other choices that were made earlier in the game. Yeah. I agree. But yeah, overall, I mean, if we had to put our overall thoughts on our game, this is definitely something worth playing. Yeah, it was quite um, fun. And, and and that's what I like about good hint systems and good things is, like I said, if, if you're the type of person that once you do one process and you know it's going to be repeating, you look up the answer, who's to say you're right or wrong or better or worse? Like, play the game how you want to play it. Mm -hmm. But for us, we are not those people. Yeah. We are going to work all the way through the process. That's just how how we are, how we function, and it it grew it grew hard for us, but not to the point where I would say don't play the VOC treasure. Play the VOC. Yeah, treasure. you should very much play it. It is a wonderful game by a wonderful creator, and the positives I think way outshine the negatives that we talked about. Yeah, very much so. Cool. Well, that's going to wrap us up for our first segment. Hang around for puzzles to the people coming up. Solve puzzles, write reviews, win prizes. It's time for Puzzles to the People. Hey, Zach. What? You want to go to the circus? Jared, 
you know I'm afraid of circuses. I'm really freaked out by large tents. Okay, thought you were going a different direction there, but I'm actually talking about the Bewitched Circus. It's a really great online game from Society of Curiosities. Wait, online? I think I can handle that. Well, that's good because after that, I'm planning on signing up for their monthly mystery in a box called Maddox Lost Treasure. Why would you do that? You know I have a severe anxiety about opening wax-sealed cryptic notes. Dude, you worry about the weirdest things. Regardless, after this podcast, you should head over to societyofcuriosities.com and check out all of their games. Well, welcome back, guys. So in this segment, that's Puzzles to the People. In this part, we're going to have kind of discussion about your reviews and kind of questions that have been given to me by Jared. So it's kind of a back and forth where I'm going to answer the question, and then it'll be kind of for Jared to see if he agrees or disagrees with what I say and kind of just discussing all your great reviews. So, yeah, uh, we very much appreciate you guys putting in these reviews. Make sure that if you want to be on the show as well, make sure to put your reviews on our website and stuff like that in the forums, and we'd love to have you guys on here, okay? Absolutely. You ready for your first question? Yeah, let's do it. All right, this is actually the longest review that I think we've had written thus far. I'm excited. Uh, Here we go. So this is from an anonymous review lever. We love the anonymous review lever. I don't know if it's the same person. It could be Anon again. It could be Anon again, absolutely. This person said, it has been a long time since we played this. So my ratings and comments are based on what I recall, which is mostly how I felt about it. Not a lot of specifics. In a nutshell, we didn't care for it. We backed the Kickstarter and were excited based on the components and story. Some items were nice. The cloth map was horrible. It was cheap, lightweight cotton that didn't resemble an aged map in the least. The story was weak and we felt no connection with the character. I don't recall any specifics of the puzzles, but I remember being baffled and lost. During the Kickstarter, the creator claimed a hint side would be up and running by the time the game was delivered. That wasn't the case, and what little was there was not in English. I think the translation wasn't done well, and that might be why there seemed to be such a big disconnect. I spoke with many others that felt this way and may have been that this may have been the problem. I would not recommend this game. Oof. Uh, Thoughts on that? Okay. I think obviously the way it's stated is that they they played like the first iteration of this game Correct. or yeah, very early on. They got the Kickstarter version, version one for the public. Yeah, and also it seems that they are probably more maybe U.S. Doesn't mean they're U.S., but it's just, they wanted English. Sure. So I know it's uh, I know was a Norwegian is the or what's the language they from the Netherlands? Yeah, oh, yeah. it's Netherlands. Yes. Yeah. Um, I don't sorry, I don't remember which language it's the the original version is. So I think. What this comment is saying, of course, is that in its first state, it was definitely not a game that they would recommend. And I could maybe see that, right? And I'm not saying I ever played that version or saw it. Right, because we did not play that version. Correct, we did not. We very much have played a, a later version than that. So I could understand where they they come from. Because, you know, if you got a product like that and you were excited about it and it came and it wasn't what you wanted, you you would be upset too. I think sometimes when you get a game that's early on, especially, you know, a lot of us back up each other on Kickstarter yes, and Etsy and, you know, different side projects, whatever. We sometimes get to play, like, the very early version of those games. And sometimes when you play them, you get disappointed, you know, because it's just they're trying something and they're trying to learn. So, you know, their intent is they think it's going to work this way because when they did it with themselves and maybe a few beta testers, it worked out this way. But then when you play with other people, you found out 
well, it doesn't make sense to everyone else or that it's not what I want it to be in creation. And I think the greatest thing that comes from this is is learning. And Absolutely. I think having creators be able to take information like this, even if it's something you don't like hearing. Because I know, like, I, I personally, when I get critiqued, sometimes it's hard for me to take it. Sure. Uh, especially when it feels like it's, it's mostly neg- obviously negative. But you learn a lot from it. And so the version we played very much doesn't feel like what this said. Yeah, I don't. Uh, I read that review uh, and didn't read it in order. <laughs> yeah. And I was like, what game are they talking about? Mm-hmm. But we got to play a much more polished version yes. giving the time. And I think that's a huge shout out to the creator. Yeah, it is. And now uh, you'll get to hear from him a little bit later. But in our conversations that we have with all of the creators before they come on the podcast, what struck me with this creator more so than any of the other creators that we've had on the show so far is their want and desire for input. Yeah, uh, when we first met them, they very much were wanting us to give them feedback and we're talking about how much they were like really like getting that criticism and yes. the feedback so that they can make the game better. It was quite interesting actually. It was and and I think it shows like this is the type of creator that you want. Clearly for this individual version 1 did not go well. Yeah. But I don't I'm reading through these things and the only thing that I th- could maybe agree with is that Still, the, as we talked about the narrative, there isn't a whole lot of connection there. But everything else, I would disagree with. Yeah, I think part of it, and I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to use this word. It's used in there, but cheap. I could maybe understand in version one how some of the stuff in there could have maybe been used with more, less inexpensive material. Sure. For, for a version one. Sure. Right? Don't get me wrong. I'm not saying what that you, our version what you was. Would, if you bought it today, you would Correct. Yes. I, yeah, what we got today was not an inexpensive version. I could just, I think the thing that I'm trying to do is trying to understand that person's point of view and maybe think about the game that we played, but maybe a version one of it, what it would be like. And I could see it potentially. But luckily, I say luckily, but I think the great thing, I, yeah, luckily, I, the great the creator did a great job with this is fixing it or making it better for the public. Completely agree. I wouldn't, I would not know that this was this, like I said, I yeah. w- would not know that this is the same game. And I, that's just a huge shout out to them to say, like, I want feedback and I'm willing to learn and grow. And uh, we'll talk about this a little more when we get to interview, but they have another game out, and that new game, their alchemy-themed booklet, mm-hmm. has been getting really good reviews. Yeah, Some of our creators that have been on the show have even shouted it out and said, this is their jam. Yeah. Uh, so, like, that that's what this community is all about, is learning, growing, making better games. All right, comment number two is from Sylvia. She's over at escaperumors.com. Not escape the rumors, still all great people, but just escaperumors.com. Sylvia said, it more than lives up to the expectations. We started with a chest, a very beautiful finished chest, and after we opened it, the game started, and we were completely sucked into the game by a very well-finished and well-cared-for attributes. How do you feel about that? Agree or disagree with what Sylvia is saying? I think I agree. Like I said, I think the only thing I would disagree about this is the narrative, but I think we've talked about that enough, yes. to be honest. The the rest of the game, like I said, the chest that comes in is very well done. And then when you open it up and you get all the different material and there's that... It's exciting. That message in the bottle yeah. feel to it. And there's the different pieces of the map and things that you're trying to puzzle together. It felt like I had walked up on a shore and found this. And it was quite awesome. 
yeah, I, I completely agree with it. I think it was great. I, I agree with her too. It it, it was well constructed. Mm-hmm. Some of the elements in there, like we talked about when we were working through the puzzles, are uniquely used or um, made to imitate classic puzzles, but still yep. covered in the correct theming. And it it does. The puzzles are very engaging puzzles, and they push you to think more than I think the average puzzle does. So I agree with her um, as an overall puzzling puzzling experience. Very much enjoyable. Yeah. All right, now we're going to get into some questions that I've constructed for you. Oh, no. Uh, we mentioned this in the last one we do, and I kind of like coming back to this question, is identifying what the strong suit of the game is. So I will ask you this. Are the physical components the strong point of the VOC experience? Yes. I, th- I think flatly it is, except for the clue system and the video if you want to watch it for the narrative part of sure. the game. Outside that, it is. I mean, it's it's pretty much all physical. And it's definitely the strong point. The reasons I think I really enjoyed this game more than anything from our likes and dislikes is that I thought the creativeness and the the well-executed material in the game, like physically, was just great. Yes. I, I enjoyed it all. It de- Like the like I said, I, I say this all the time because I've said it three times now, was that bottle is still one of the coolest things we got out of that whole thing was like I just – I really enjoyed it. It was well done. It had its own secrets to it. I, I found it a blast. Yes. And I, I will say another compliment to the game here is that because of how all of the different physical components are used, this is really a game that I would feel comfortable recommending for more than two people. Mm-hmm. You may move through it a little quicker. Zach and I, our preferred group size to play a game is obviously two. Yeah. Uh, but this, the way that the physical components play out here. I think it would be very reasonable to divide and conquer and everybody would have a physical element to play with. Yeah, I think there's a few parts we could have easily done, like with how much there is for this game, four people could have easily had their own projects and felt like they had enough that it didn't feel like we were all like punched over each other. And then contributed to the meta, like no problem. Oh, yeah. Yeah. And that's that's another thing. There were multiple copies of things. Yes. That was so nice. It was actually nice to be able to like, if you wanted to work on something, I could also work on it, but not, like share yes, the same thing. Like it was kind of it was kind of great. I I we should have doted on that more. But if you're a creator out there, we understand that your cost is something that you're thinking about. But for the meta puzzle, there was an extra grid. For this puzzle, there was hey, here's one more thing, and you could have used it for a reset. Sure. Right. But it felt like it was designated to where multiple people could work on this. Yes. And it didn't feel like we were all like, st- like, like Jared's on the table and I'm standing behind him, like pointing at things. Yes. I had my own version that we could just cross reference. Absolutely. Other. And that was, that's an easy, easy thing to do. That's like, oh yeah, great. Yeah. It was pa- great. Paper's not that expensive. Like throw me an extra sheet if we're working on something that we could be tag teaming on. Yeah. yeah. I, but I agree with the overall. Uh, assessment that you made that the physical components were the strong point. Okay, here's the next one. We've talked a little bit about this, but I want your overall thoughts on it in terms of the games that we review. Process puzzles have no place in at-home puzzle games that feature a narrative. That's actually a hard question. Ooh, that is very hard. Wow. I'm trying to think of how I answer this. I'm really trying to throw some steep questions at you these days. This is a hard question. I think really, I, cause here, okay, I'll give you my answer. I think process puzzles can have a place in a hub puzzles, but I, if you had to ask me if they should be in there 
more or not, I think they should not. Especially if it features a like a solid narrative. Sure. Now, if the game is a pure puzzle solving experience and the narrative is a back like is in the background, I think process puzzles can gladly fit in there because that's kind of what you're looking for is just a pure puzzle experience. When it is a game that seems that the narrative is supposed to be a big part potentially of the game, I think it takes away. Uh, what's a good word? It takes away your view on it or makes you get distracted. Mm, you lose sight of the narrative. Correct. Yes. So I, I kind of agree to an extent. Like I said, it's hard because I think process puzzles can fit in there. I just, if you had to ask me more or not, I think not. Yeah, I agree. I, I don't think they're, I mean, even if we all, the big joke always for games like this and escape room games is like, oh, Sudoku, like Sudoku's in the thing. That's not a, pu- that's not a puzzle. I would say a majority of puzzles have a place, but it is upon the creator to strategically tie that to the narrative. Yeah. Right. Puzzles for puzzles sakes in narratives don't meet that high criteria of yeah. necessarily driving. So are there process puzzles that are w- woven very nicely into a very organized narrative? Absolutely. Yes. Um, but I agree with you. If there is more than one process puzzle, I think you risk alienating the narrative because you're spending so much time away from it. Yeah, it almost feels like I'm doing a puzzle hunt, if, if that makes sense. Like, like we've talked about David Kwong's work. Sure. Um, or some of those, like David Chukan's puzzles and stuff. Yes. Like, those haven't a small narrative, but the point is that I'm doing a long puzzle hunt. Absolutely. So I expect the processes to be that way. And in this game, and in some other games, when there's a lot of process puzzles, it very much feels like if I think it's supposed to be more narrative and then I get that mixed in, then like we said, I think it just feels like you alienate yourself from part of the game because you're like, okay, now I'm focused on only this, when realistically I should be letting it like meld. It should be like a, a mixing pot of all that stuff. Yes. No, I think that's fantastic. All right, here's one. We I don't think we've ever crossed a question like this before. Interested to hear what you say on this. The pirate theme is played out and repetitive. This is our seventh episode. Yeah. And we've had, this is our second pirate game. This is the second game that does revolve around pirates yes. and ships and stuff well, like and that. And it's also a popular theme in escape rooms. Yes. So interested to hear your thoughts. Ooh. I think it's one of those things that pirate games give you the most adventure feel sometimes. Like, people want to be Jack Sparrow. Or they want Goonies. Correct. Or they want the Goonies, which is a classic. Yes. People like that sense of adventure in those types of games and having treasure because it feels like there's a cool, crazy end goal. Who doesn't love treasure? Yeah, I don't know. I don't know anyone specifically, but it's... I think it's like a, it's one of those things that it's, it's a, I wouldn't say it's a safe bet because it feels like that's demeaning or bad against the creators who do that. But I feel like it is almost a safe bet. Like it's mm. something that you're like, okay, if I can make it solid enough, I know there's enough interest in this, like in this subject matter. Sure. That people like it. I think the good part so far of the games I've played is that they don't feel the same in a lot of ways. There, There is obviously the same element of the theme is that it is pirate. So there is always the, we're looking for treasure. This is in the way. Solve. Yes. Right. And I think that's just something that they're all going to run into. I think the good part that I could say so far is the games we've played have done a good job of making it feel different from each other. Where I didn't feel like I'm playing the same game over yes. and over and over again, but with a different character at the at the forefront. 
I could agree to this sometimes because it also feels like this, and I don't want me to go a little bit off topic, but like in escape rooms experience as well, jail cells or jail breaking is another really common theme. And sometimes I feel like that's repetitive. Yes. But it, like I said, it's just, it's one of those things that I think is a safe bet for people. So I kind of agree. I think it is a little outplayed or it's kind of a little played out. But I, I will say for the people we've played so far, they've done an excellent job of doing the theme where I didn't feel like I was playing the same version of Pirates over and over and over again. But I mean, luckily enough, every person we've played has different types of games. It doesn't feel like there's anyone we've played that it feels like they make the same game over and over again. They've all had really cool themes that all go in different directions. But there's probably a game we're going to play out there that might go a little bit more just full pirate theme. Mm. But hopefully... I mean, I think like anything, they, they would be smart enough to know that not to like full delve into it unless they have like a crazy experience that they have planned out. Sure. I, I, it's a very interesting question because we're almost tapping into a little bit of the business side of things and asking ourselves like, what does our consumer want? Yeah. Right. But I, I don't think the pirate theme is played out. I don't, I don't know that any theme is played out per se sure because because of a couple reasons one is target audiences like the person yeah. that is finding maddox lost treasure versus the person that's finding the voc treasure are probably very different people and why sure. shouldn't everybody have access to a pirate game yeah the other thing is i will play any theme given that the quality of the game is high. Sure. So what I think about is Pirates is a very popular theme in escape rooms as well. But in terms of American escape games, I would say probably two of the better games that I've played in the U.S. in Cutthroat Caverns at 13th Gate in Baton mm-hmm. Rouge and uh, Schmoopy Bones in Doldrix in Orlando. Yep. Those are amazing games. Yeah. They're both pirate themes. Yeah. Both one of the most common themes, and they – they took it upon themselves to up the ante yeah. on common themes done well. So I don't know that it's always the theme that makes things tired. Sure. Um, I understand what you're saying. Like if every single thing was the same, then yeah. But I think excellence outweighs what the theme is in terms of the product that is received. Very true. And I think you you make a good point. I think the way I'm looking at it is from a business standpoint where mm-hmm. I'm like, okay, Unless you do have a target audience, I feel like sometimes when you go down that rabbit hole of the same theme, yes. it could get repetitive. Sure. But like I said, I, I could agree with you very much that I think if the game is solid, I don't care the theme. Yeah, I don't Generally, care. we don't. We, we've we played every version of a game yeah, so far, or a different theme. We enjoy them. I don't know of a... Th- I don't think we've ever had a conversation to say like, even strategically when we're looking at our podcast schedule to say like, oh, like, I don't want to play that game because it's blah, 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 blah. Yeah. Right. Cause, cause, uh, one of the, uh, I think one of the most common themes in at homes is kind of the true crime serial killer. Yeah, murder that's mystery. Also very true. Like we, we have not delved into a whole lot of those. We will in the coming months, we have some great companies coming up that do focus. That is their entire genre is that they do the case, like cold cases. Yeah. And the cold cases of- and things like that. Yeah. Um, but I just don't know that that's ever going to be a prohibitive factor to us. Yeah, I don't think it will. So, um, every, and everybody has preferences, and maybe, you know, and in our, you know, sec- 2,000 games in, we'll be like, okay, you know, enough of uh, Alice in Wonderland. We're tired of Alice. Love um, to play one. I will tell you, the one game that Jared won't let me play, and he, he knows the answer <laughs> to this because he's scared, is letting me play Root of All Evil. 
Shout out to Angela. Angela, I want to play it so bad. But Jared, just we have we have we have a schedule to follow, sir. We have a schedule to follow. That schedule is just like building the the treehouse escape room. <laughs> Zach's Zach's a little bitter because I've promised Dave's very specific theme to him to build locally, but as of late, it keeps getting pushed back and back. And it's because we have a budding podcast going on, yeah, and uh, that's, and that's I bet you're a part of. I'm so sorry. That's okay. I'll take it. <laughs> well, that's gonna wrap us up for puzzles to the people. Hang on with us, and up next, we've got questions for creators. We'll be right back. There are some awesome people who make the puzzles we love to solve. This is Questions for Creators. Zach, you never responded to my email about the rally next week. The rally? Yeah, dude, they're trying to tear down the old tree off of Maine. That's a bat-coon habitat. I think you mean raccoon. (laughs) Zach, next thing you know, you'll be calling swargators alligators. Swargators? Bat coons? Jared, what are you talking about? Dude, everyone knows that the American Society for the Protection of Magical Creatures spends countless hours trying to preserve the habitat of these magical and magnificent creatures. Do you want your kids growing up in a world where there's no lobguins? Do I? Well, that's a fair question. Lobguins are actually very temperamental creatures, but sometimes I can do without them. But What everyone should do is head over to theaspmc.org, that's T-H-E-A-S-P-M-C.org, and sign up to help their investigations. Only you can prevent the extinction of these magical creatures. Welcome back, guys. Now we are in this segment that is questions for creators. In this segment, we are going to ask questions to the great creators that make the games that we play. So, Jared, who are we actually having on the show? Well, today we have Joaquin, and he is taking our call all the way from the Netherlands. That's awesome. Uh, Really, really awesome guy. Yes. Uh, As we always say, we meet with these people beforehand, and he was so much fun. There's a lot of passion, and that's very evident when you talk to Joaquin that this is somebody that loves what he does. He's got some uh, cool other side hustles that he does as well, which I hope he talks about. Hopefully so. uh, In this interview. But let's uh, check out what we have to say or what he has to say. Yes. What is your name? And what were you doing before creating games or experiences? Okay, well, uh, thank you for having me in your uh, on your podcast. Uh, my name is Jachin Letvori. I'm from the Netherlands. And before I started creating these treasure hunts, I was a PE teacher. And actually, uh, currently, I'm also a guitar teacher. I've got my own guitar school. And uh, that's my uh, second business. So uh, guitar school and the treasure hunts. How did you come up with the VOC treasure? Okay, yeah, actually, that's a little bit of a story because um, I've got a uh, colleague of my wife and we always play uh, games, so we have game nights. And then she asked me um, if I wanted to create a game for her birthday. And I think one or two uh, months before, she was a uh, participant of one of my treasure hunts outdoors and I started with I think two or three outdoor treasure hunts before I decided to go to 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 make something for uh, indoors and she knew about that so she asked me can you uh, create something for me and I had this idea of making a treasure hunt based on the VOC that's the uh, East India company and um 
I was uh, thinking about what what story would be, what the puzzles would be, um, what kind of treasure it would be, and I well, my cr- uh, creativity was <laughs> I couldn't find it. I couldn't find my creati- creativity. So um, I think a week before, I just switched to create a, a very quick game about a virus, and it's not the coronavirus. It was another kind of virus. I can't remember which and after that uh, i think one or two months later um, i was uh, researching information for my uh, family um, my roots because i uh, my, my family originates from indonesia and um, I, I was typing in the name of the uh, small island my grandfather comes from and then i found some really old books in the archives around i think 16 or 1700 so uh, that that that's uh, way back and they were talking about the island my grandfather comes from and i was reading pages before and pages uh, after that information and then i saw a line it said a ship sank to the bottom of the ocean and i thought okay that's an interesting part so i can use something that happened for real and i started researching around this event and i i came up with some pretty interesting information and i found some beautiful material i could use for the game and uh, from there on i started creating the the voc treasure what intentional decisions did you make when coming up with the game were there things you were trying to stay away from I actually don't know if I had any thoughts about what to do or not to do because um, as I said before I I started with uh, treasure hunts outdoors and I didn't know about this whole community online or actually all over the world who is creating these kind of uh, games so it was just me and whatever I thought was logical to do. So I know my first treasure hunt outdoors was really too long and too difficult. And then I tweaked a little bit and it it got better. And after three or four um, outdoor treasure hunts, I started the VC treasure uh, creating and still I didn't know about other games. So it was me and me alone. And I thought, okay, I know I've, I've played several uh, escape rooms and I knew a little bit about what kind of um, puzzles you can have, but I didn't know what kind of categories they were. So I just uh, looked at all the information I gathered from the archives, and I thought, okay, what what would I want to have in the box that that I would love to see or to ha- to hold in my hands? And then I started creating puzzles with those materials and i set a deadline for myself i can't remember how long but i think the the evening before the deadline <laughs> then then my creativity starts flowing so i think most of the puzzles were created in one evening and then i had to uh, crystallize them and, and and make them better and yeah that's pretty much it and when the people started playing the games i got uh feedback and actually that's what it, what's called playtesting right now but i didn't any playtesting before and what i did is i started using all those comments to to make a better version so the first the first version looks different and some puzzles are different but actually 
I think maybe 75% of the game stayed as it was. And um, according to <laughs> what people say about uh, how it looks and how it how the puzzles are, I can be pretty uh, happy <laughs> happy with how it turned out for my first game. One reason we loved your game was that it was full of really interesting physical items. Tell us about why you chose to have so many physical items. Yes, yes, I can tell. Um, uh, as I said, I had this folder in my computer with all those beautiful images, and I think it, it must be like over a hundred images and, and and like maps and pictures and, and whatever. And I, I actually it was really hard to choose from all those. Uh, pictures and then i started looking at okay what can i turn or what can i use to make it also uh, uh look real so for example you've got the the uh fabric map um i i could have chosen paper but i already had two other things on paper a three sized so that's pretty big um but i thought okay let's let's do something di- uh, different and uh, um, find out if i can print it on um on a fabric and yeah that that was possible and then i i was thinking about okay i have to put it in something and i started researching what kind of boxes there are and i found this actually it's a wine box maybe you can (laughs) see by the shape and and uh, the form that it's a wine box for two bottles then i thought okay i've got a wine box i've got a place for my fabric map and uh, the other maps i can Uh, roll up and put it in there and then i have one uh, part of the box empty what do i do with that i thought okay then maybe it's logical to put a wine bottle a real wine bottle in there and i was thinking okay should i use plastic or a real one and then i thought okay what do i want to have in a box the real one so i started (laughs) searching for empty bottles and 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 how i could use them also to create puzzles and actually i managed to create uh, more than one puzzle i think i can't say too much because maybe people haven't played it yet <laughs> how do you go about creating the puzzles for your games okay if, if i uh, talk about the vlc treasure what i had to find out first is um, the end of the game what are they looking for and actually when i knew there is a ship and the name of the ship and what happened with the ship um, then i had to find out a uh, well actually i I knew the place already Um, so the end was clear to me and then i was uh, uh, thinking okay where does the uh, the story start and what is a logical uh, a logic path for the player to find out all this information and why is this uh, why is all this information um, decoded because if, if if something happened at that time how is that material coming to this time and and why can we try to solve it so i uh i fabricated a story around it so it's partly based on a true story and partly um i created the story around it to make it fit uh the puzzles and the story i i start looking at the materials and uh, i'm trying to find uh things that pop out to me 
and then I think, okay, can I use it in some kind of way to create a puzzle? And I, st uh, what I try to do, um, and with the knowledge right now, I think I did a pretty good job, but I didn't know about it then. I try to create as much different kind of puzzles. And, and I was thinking, okay, how can all the information uh, people gather with, um, with uh, solving all the puzzles lead to the end uh, place where the treasure is uh, hidden and so I chose to um, to let all the uh, all the solves they have they, they need to use it in a, a logic puzzle at the end and I know some people don't logic puzzles but actually and uh, actually um, most people who play the game um, thought it was really nice to have this logic puzzle at the end because you you know what the direction is you know okay i'm looking for four kinds of treasure i'm looking for four names of captains i'm looking for four names of ships i'm looking for four names of uh, islands so it's uh, you're not searching for something you don't know what you're searching for and i think that make makes it uh, made this game really playable for even people who haven't played these type of games before. What other projects do you currently have going on and what games are you wanting to build in the future? Yes, actually, every time when I do research and I dive into the archives, uh, and there are lots of great places on the internet where you can look into really old material. Um, on every page, I get a new idea. So it's really difficult for me to, uh, to choose which, which ones I want to create a game. So I just um, write it down in my computer, whatever I see. And the best ideas I, I'm going to use for, for new games. And um, for example, Mysteries of Alchemy was just released on uh, Kickstarter. It was successful and I've been creating the, the games uh, in the last few months and sending them to the, the, the backers and this game uh, is based on yeah actually the, t the title says it all <laughs> on alchemy and i was thinking what 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 kind of story could i tell with um with alchemy and i think i found a, a nice way to have a little bit of a change so because normally um, alchemists are looking to uh, to turn, uh, for example, lead into gold or find the Philosopher's Stone, whatever that means. <laughs> and um, the game is called uh, Mysteries of Alchemy, A Search for the Philosopher's Stone. But the end might surprise the people. Um, so that's a game that's um, ready now. Um, maybe I will tweak some things after people start playing the game and to, to, to make it uh, to make it a better game and then I have some other things I want to create for example I bought a a book um, early 1900s and I think that's um, good enough for me to start a new game around but I can't tell too much about it yet <laughs> but the book smells my kids say <laughs> because they thought oh nice book and they they picked it up and they said, oh, there's a, a strange smell to this book. So it's a really old book and I, I think I can create a nice story and uh, great puzzles around it. And I've, I've, what I did 
like one year ago, I found a, a newspaper article and that was about a treasure. And and what I'm going to do is I'm going or what I'm going to do, I want to do <laughs> if I have the time. Um, I want to build a story around this newspaper. That's the basic of the uh, of the story. And then um, if I can uh, find an uh, um, how do you call that an end, a great end, then I can build to towards this end, starting from this newspaper. But I'm not sure yet what. So I. Probably when I'm doing more research, then one day I, <laughs> I will stumble onto something on the internet and think, okay, that's exactly what I need to create this uh, new game. Um, but actually, those are the things my uh, I'm thinking about right now. And probably maybe something else uh, will pop up uh, uh, before I start with the other game. And I will start creating that, that other game that I don't know yet what it will be. What games are you playing currently that you think that our listeners would like to check out as well? Yes, it's a very good question. Um, I've played like a week ago, I've played from um, Society of Curiosities, the game about the circus. I can't remember the name yet. Let the me witch, have a The Witch Circus. Yes, yes. I really loved it. Um, and... I've got a game in front of me. I I have to play yet. <laughs> I, I I haven't started it. It's the Jonkers Beroving, but that's a Dutch game. And some games I love to play is uh, the game from Puzzle Post from the Netherlands. Uh, it's the Abigail trilogy. And actually, I'm buying almost everything um, with the reason that I can say I have to study the games. <laughs> So I bought all the exit games and I think I've played 90% of them just to see what kind of puzzles they use and what kind of feeling they gave me, uh, they give me when I uh, solve the puzzles. <laughs> and I try to, what I do is um, every time I play puzzle, uh, play these type of games, the, the escape games or at home mysteries, any way you want to call it, then I try to uh, categorize all the puzzles. And then after playing lots of those puzzles, I'm trying to see yeah, some, some categories uh, of, of uh, types of puzzles. And of course, talking to other creators um, will tell me that the, the information I found by myself is actually the same everybody sharing on the internet so i couldn't have i also could have uh, not played all those games and just talked all, to, to all the other uh, people but still then i have these these beautiful games here i actually can't see it because my background what you are seeing and the people who are listening can see is a green screen and behind the green screen there's a closet and it's filled with filled up with uh, all types of games that's awesome. I have one last thing that is not uh, on the questions that we gave you that I'm wondering if you would indulge me in. Uh, do you have a guitar nearby and could you play us a little something to end the episode on? Yeah, yeah. actually I have. Uh, I'm going to do different because what I did is I tuned my guitar one whole uh, tone lower uh -huh. because I have to play something with my students. But then 
it's different playing so i'm going to play it lower than what i'm used to so okay. again <laughs> We just want to thank Joaquin so much for being on the show. And, yes. Uh, we have an eight-hour difference between him and us here yes, in Nashville, so. Tennessee. So coordinating those things can be difficult, but he is super kind to make time for us and yes. to be on the show. We cannot thank him enough. Uh, as he mentioned, be sure to check out his other projects. We'll throw some links in the show notes as we like to do. Mm-hmm. But uh, I'm excited to play the future games of his. Yes. Uh, so that's going to wrap up our show today. If you haven't already, we would love for you to subscribe to the show, put it on a weekly download schedule, yes, and just tune in with us regularly as we talk about games, all different sorts of games and experiences that we're going to be playing over the next foreseeable future. Be sure to check us out on social media. It's at Puzzling Company on Instagram or just search Puzzling Company on Facebook to find us. Join our conversation. And as always, leave us some feedback so that we can talk you up on our show. Yes, very much so. All right. Well, we're going to cut it off today. So next week, what are we What are we talking about, Zach? Ooh, well, I have uh, two great games that we're going to talk about from CU. Pause. We're talking about two games, not one game next week. I think so, yes. <sighs> That's a lot. It's a lot. But yes, we're going to be talking about the two games from CU Adventures. I can't wait. And uh, just if you're not familiar with them, that's actually a print-and-play digital hybrid experience. Yes. Uh, So that'll be our first adventure into that type of game. Yes. So we're super excited. Again, thanks for listening with us. We'll catch you all next week. Bye, guys. Thanks for listening. Find us on social media at Puzzling Company and online at puzzlingcompany.com. Check back weekly for new episodes. Until next time, keep puzzling. <laughs>